In my newsletter, I commented how everyone probably remembers their very first concert. And so I asked this in 8.45 and got some great answers. So I'm just, I'm going to call on some people, so be ready. I know we're not used to this. Ratliff, what was your first concert? Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Nice. Sue Rice. None? Okay. Pat, do you have one? Nope, y'all. Now I have to rewrite my sermon. Okay, you got one. The Carpenters. The Carpenters. Okay, all right, what do we got? John Denver. Okay. All right, Pam, what do we got? The Beach Boys. Okay, and your last one. Dion Warwick. Okay, so last, we had someone that had seen the Beatles in our last service, and Elvis. And Mike said foreigner. Kristen? Amy Grant. Amy Grant. Amy Grant was also my first concert. I saw her during her House of Love tour. Yes, she came to Salina, Kansas on her tour. Can you believe it? And I came, um, when I saw her, she was already secular. I know. Whew. It wasn't until actually I was older that I found out that she was like this very well-known Christian singer for many, many years until she broke out. Uh, with baby, baby. I also shared in my newsletter that my daughter, Andy Jane, who is seven, just had her first concert experience a few weeks ago. She saw Joan Jett, who she absolutely loves, has loved Joan Jett for quite a while, went as her for Halloween, had an amazing costume. And then we found out that we kind of have a relative that has a friend that is Joan Jett's manager. So for Andy's birthday, she got two t-shirts from Joan Jett, a guitar pick, and an autographed um, record from Joan Jett herself. Um, and we've been told that Joan Jett kept her picture and her fan letter. So besides our first concert, I think we also maybe remember our first concert post-COVID. So my husband and I were supposed to see John Mayer. That was our first concert. We spent a lot of money on these tickets because like, we haven't been to anything in like years. And then I decided to have a baby that week. Um, he did not go to the concert and leave me in the hospital. We did sell them. But so then my first concert post-COVID was Sarah Bareilles. And she had been on my bucket list. I've been wanting to see her for such a long time. I've loved her since her first big album dropped in 2007 with her hit song, Love Song. And I loved it because the story behind her hit love song was that the producers were like, you have to write a love song. You have to, this album has to have, have one. She's like, well, it doesn't have to. And so she wrote the song called Love Song. And it, the lyrics, the main line is, well, I'm not going to write you a love song because you asked for it because you need one. I love that she kind of stuck it to the man on her first big album. Since that album, she has gone on to release seven studio albums, three live and two soundtracks. In case you didn't know, she wrote the music to the hit Broadway musical, Waitress. She's a wonderfully talented songwriter, great musician and singer. She's also really hilarious. She's very funny in concert, and she's also on a show called Girls 5 Eva on Peacock. 
So part of me has always loved her, I think, because of the way that she stood up to those music producers. That boldness, that risk-taking, that honesty is something that I aspire to have. And that's why I love her song, Brave, so much, which you will hear in a little bit. But in case you don't know it, the main chorus goes, say what you want to say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to see you be brave with what you want to say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to see you be brave. I think I'm drawn to this song because I want to be like that. I want to be bold, I want to be brave, I want to be courageous. I once famously said when asked if there was one quality I wish I had, this was literally my response, I wish I were more assertive, I guess. <laughs> because being assertive to me is, is, is that being bold and courageous, and it's something I've kind of always struggled with. And for a long time, I thought being brave meant just standing up for yourself, which that is absolutely a big part of it. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that bringing, being brave means speaking out and up for those who can't, those that need our support, those that need help lifting their voices a little higher. Today's scripture comes from the last chapter of Proverbs, which is a book full of wisdom. If you're ever looking for just simple, daily applicable things, Proverbs is your book. It's very straightforward. Here's a handful of verses. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Wise people think before they act, fools don't. People with understanding control their anger, a hot temper shows foolishness. Gentle words are a tree of life, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So you can see a lot of this is like, oh, I should do that. It's pretty clear. Today we're gonna to look at Proverbs 31. We're gonna be looking at verses one through nine. I know many of us maybe know the end of Proverbs 31 about a woman noble character, but this first part is, is pretty revealing. So let's see what the book of Proverbs has to say today. The words of King, I struggled with this. Yeah, Lemuel, it's so hard. Why can't it be like Hank? Um, an oracle that his mother taught him. No, my son, no son of my womb, no son of my vows. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink or else they will drink and forget what has been decreed and will pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak out for those who cannot speak, for the rights of all the destitute. Speak out, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you've heard me preach before, you know that I love to kind of put myself in the scenes. I love to imagine the characters, and this one is no different. So this is written, if, you re if you're listening to the very beginning, things that his mother taught him. Mother's advice is always pretty good. So I love that I, I, I can picture this mother saying these things to her boys at some level as he's growing up over and over again. And I'm sure if you've raised children, you know what it's like to say things over and over again because there's certain things that you just want them to hold on to. 
Maybe it was a phrase, a jingle, a prayer, a line of scripture, but there are things that are important to you that you're like, please write this on the tablet of your heart. Do not forget this. So we have this mother looking at her boy, knowing what he's going to grow into to be this king, and she probably has worry and fear that maybe he'll turn into something that she doesn't recognize. And so she's doing her best to impress these really important things to him. Please don't forget this. So she starts off by saying, don't get distracted with women. Don't get tempted by all of that. Now, it's not that women are evil and they'll lead him astray, but she's trying to say, look, being consumed and being preoccupied with romance or lack thereof is not a good thing for the long run. Because essentially being distracted by women and other things will be something that's very selfish. It will all be about your desires and fulfilling what you think you need, your, your wants. You'll make that the most important thing. You'll make that the focus. And the tension will be about yourself. And his mother saying, that's not what you're supposed to do. Then the second lesson is about alcohol, not craving it. Some translations say, don't guzzle wine. Now we know that alcohol can cloud our decisions, can do foolish things, can be harmful, not just for us, but for others. But the verse that gets me is, they will drink and forget what has been decreed and will pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Some translations say, deprive all the oppressed of their rights, not give justice to the oppressed. So I think what I love about this section is that this mother is saying to her son, don't forget who you are called to be, who you have the potential to be. Don't forget about the unique position that you are in. Don't forget to use your power for good. Don't be tempted like everyone else. You can be different. I'm pretty sure that moms probably wrote the book of Proverbs because it's very simple. I'm sure if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it somewhere in here? I'm sure of it. But I hear this call of a mother and to all of us not to get so wrapped up in ourselves that we forget about those around us. To get so disconnected from those that are different that we forget that how we are called to love and serve all people. Sure, we're not kings and queens, but we all, all have this call to serve one another, to care for one another, to take care, to do all we can to make sure no one is left out and forgotten. This mother essentially saying, son, I need you to be brave. I need you to do things differently. So that means showing up and being brave. If you're familiar with this book, you know that as you go through it, people that were rising in power continued to push down on people. They, they would forget about certain groups of people. They would abuse them. They would cast them aside and so much worse. And so the gap between those that were high up and those that were down low continued to grow. It's this massive gap. And we used to think, well, it's just the Romans. The Romans were so high on themselves. And yes, they were. They could have used this king's mother for sure. But we also know the religious leaders at that time. They forgot about those who were poor, those who were afflicted, those who were marginalized. And instead of fighting for those who were in the lower status, the religious leaders got drunk on power and wealth and left people in the dust. They forgot who they were called to be, who God had called them to be. They never considered how their decisions would affect people who are different than they were. 
Luckily, we've got that all solved now, right? See, there's so many things I love about Jesus. But the way he brings attention to the poor, the lepers, the paralyzed, the blind, anyone that was the other is really fascinating to me. Because the people at the time that had been praying and wanting the Messiah, they thought the Messiah was going to be this grand warrior. And he was going to go right to Rome and fight and maybe use swords and lead this total chaotic rebellion and they were going to win. Now, yes, Jesus did speak up against those in power. But a majority of what his ministry was about was being with those who were poor, to, with the oppressed, those that were suffering. He amplified their voice. He brought attention to those who were suffering. Those that had no voice, he gave them a voice. He helped pave the way for others to see them and take care of them and, and, and think of them. For so long, um, the people that Jesus was helping, they had been walked by, they had been ignored or actively harmed, and they were stuck and they had no way out. And so Jesus steps in and is actually quite brave. Think about those stories where he touched the unclean or the lepers and how you did not do that. That was brave. In the times that he talked to people that were sinners that you don't talk to them, you don't pay attention to them, he talked with them. Or how he broke bread and ate meals with those sinners. Or he did things on the Sabbath. He chose to be brave. And so Jesus is telling all his followers, look, all those people that you have forgotten, that you love to push aside and just kind of ignore, I need you to see them. I need you to care for them. I need you to help them. I need you to love them. So therefore, I need you to be brave. So Jesus is asking us too to be brave, not to be like everyone else, not to be consumed with our own power and our wealth, to not to get too comfortable, because it's incredibly tempting to, be, to become comfortable and only think of our needs, right? And our wants. But just like king after king in this book, we often find that we follow in those footsteps. We love our place, we love our comfort, we can be complicit, we can be silent. And that's not what we're to do. We're to be brave. When I read about people from history or, or people of today, those that, that stood up and those that are standing up right now, the way that they, they speak up, I find that they are incredibly brave. And I think about, man, if I was in that time, would I have been like that? And then it makes me think about the people that are doing stuff right now. I think, gosh, am I doing enough? Am I answering this call to discipleship that asks us to be brave? I think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor who stood up against the Nazis. Or James Reeve, the white Unitarian minister that, that marched and fought for civil rights. Or Sarah Cunningham, who started the group Free Mom Hugs, an organization for LGBTQ um, children and teens and young adults. He, she would advocate for them and often care for them because many of them were abandoned by their families. I think about John Stewart, the host of The Daily Show, who has gone on to do so much work for veterans or for first responders from 9-11. 
And yes, our very own John Wesley, the foundation of our, of, of our denomination, one that advocated for the poor, spoke out against child labor and slavery and so many other things. I'm inspired by people from history and today, especially the ones where they don't really have a dog in the fight. It doesn't impact them, but they see that suffering and they say, no, I'm gonna speak. We are called to use our voice and our words for good. We are called to speak out on the behalf of others. We are called not to look away from suffering, from those on the outside, those who are facing oppression. We are called to be brave. And we all have the power to do that, all of us. And when we come together, we can actually evoke a lot of change. I know that we are tempted, so tempted, to just think about ourselves. But when I read this book, I realize I don't have a choice in the matter. I know it can be scary and overwhelming to maybe take a stand or speak up for someone or a group of people, but I think we're called to this. And maybe part of you in this room are like, I, I gotta dismiss this sermon because it's way too out of my, this is out of my comfort zone, I get it. But let me remind you that being brave comes in many different forms. I'm not asking you to go on a protest or go on a march or, or go to Austin and speak to your representatives. You can, you can do all those things for sure. But you can do brave work wherever you are. I'm reminded of this wonderful scene in the first Harry Potter book. If you haven't read it, what, I mean, come on guys, you should have read it by now, right? But there's this scene where, where Harry and Ron and Hermione are, are going off and Neville, their friend, stands up to them and says, you know, you can't go, you can't go, I'll, I'll, I'll fight you. And then of course Hermione does a spell and he, he's frozen, he can't stop them. But he stands up to his friends. And there's this wonderful quote from Dumbledore. And he says this, there are all kinds of courage. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. Sometimes being brave means saying something to your friends, your family, your coworker, your spouse, your neighbor. But also, here's another ways, there's other ways to be brave. Maybe being brave has nothing to do with saying anything. Maybe being brave means finally going to that meeting that you've been meaning to go to. Maybe being brave means facing your grief. Maybe being brave means finally going to a counselor or making that doctor's appointment that you keep putting off. Maybe being brave means just getting out of bed. Sometimes being brave just means showing up. There's a lot of different ways for us to be brave. In this reading that we read today in this Proverbs, we have this mother asking her son, will you be brave? Will you be brave? And if you read the rest of this story, and if you know the way that Jesus taught, the way that he commanded, he is also asking us that too. So today I want you to think about in what way is God asking you to be brave? What would it take for you to be brave today? Let us go be brave people. Amen.